Welcome to the Some Days Here podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Mabuni. So glad you're here. Some Days Here is a podcast for AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander leaders. In each episode, we discuss how we navigate living in both Eastern and Western worlds and how the unique blend of our experiences influences our faith, our life, and our leadership. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Someday is Here podcast. Every week we have really great guests that come onto the show. And today I am so thrilled to introduce to you not only a fabulous guest who is just an amazing human, but also a woman I consider a friend. And I'm excited to have our conversation together. But before we jump into it, I want to introduce you to her. Anjali Pascal is um, a California native. She grew up in San Diego and studied psychology at Point Loma Nazarene University, which is down the way from where I live in Southern California. She earned her graduate degree from Talbot Seminary in spiritual formation and soul care. Um, I've had a number of friends who have gone through that program, including my best friend, and it's truly an excellent combination of theology and spiritual formation and soul care and, um, you know, just, I think, needed for this point in time in our cultural moment truly. Um, She's married 17 years to her childhood friend, Sam. They have five amazing kids and uh, live in beautiful San Diego. I've actually sat in the very spot that she is in, um, just so generously opening their um, side office room to Someday is Here when we did our virtual event. Um, I'm just so grateful for um, the place that Angelie fills as far as being a woman who lives authentically and uh, is one of grace and truth. And, you know, even before we got on this interview, um, I was expressing my misses and just thought, you know, of all the people to talk to, um, I'm just so grateful for a safe friend. And so thank you so much for coming on this show. Yes, yes, yes. It's so great to be here, Viv. It's so nice to see you, to connect any chance we get. Yeah. It just brings me such joy. Well, you know, to have like an online friend who becomes an in-person real friend is such joy. And I'm so thankful for you. And we have talked, you know, at all these different points in time through um, the good and the hard of just life. And yes. um, gosh, I would love for you to maybe just start off this conversation with what what are the things that God is teaching you now? And I know we're, we'll talk about your new book that just came out with a wonderful cover of you holding the rooster. And I think we had the story just as you were getting the book cover back that this was the yes. photo that was going to work like we were sitting oh gosh, in your house right so yeah so i mean even either based off the book or just even your current moment um what are some of the things that you were really sitting in um as you as you stay awake to love which is really your your life mantra yeah oh gosh well i'll start by saying we as in my husband and i came off are coming off of a three-month sabbatical. And that should be required of every human. Okay. It's just, I mean, so my husband's been a pastor for about 16 years. 
and it was time. It was time for a break. And so for three months, um, I didn't completely shut off work. But when I say work, I was like, I wasn't online very much. Mm. I wasn't actively posting or doing courses or spiritual direction. It was like a real step back. And it was scary. You know what I mean? When you're you're in this rhythm of go, go, go to stop is Mm. actually really scary. And I remember he was doing sabbatical. I was like, well, sabbatical's for you. I'm going to just like do my own thing. And the Lord was so clear of like, nope, you're taking, this is for you too. And so when you ask, what am I learning? I am in a coming out of that sabbatical, a real place, Viv, of there's only one thing required of me. Mm. And that one thing is to rest in the love of God. Wow. And I just, like from oh. from that place, everything else revolves. And mm. there's, it's so life-giving. It's so freeing. It's so calming. Mm. Um, yeah. So that that's where I'm at. We're, we're coming in from a place of rest. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, like, what was, what was your day-to-day, like, I mean, three months is a good long time because usually when you think about quote unquote vacation, it takes several days to kind of settle. I think Ruth Haley Barton talks about in one of her books on strengthening the soul of your leadership that um, if you were to take a jar of river water, it looks all murky. But if you set it down, and it takes time for all the sediments to just kind of collect on the bottom, and then you can actually see clearly like, what was what was that like for you? Did you did it take a time, a, a span of time to really let the water settle. What helped you to settle? What were some of the things that you did? Sure, that's a great, great picture. And I think it took me several weeks of um, leaning into rest and leaning out of unproductivity. Hmm. But it really, you know, what came up for me? So my book launched in April. And then I really went into a season of rest around June, mainly July and August, half of August. But I think around mid-June, oh my goodness, I experienced a great deal of personal disappointment. And that's what would be in the murky water for me. It was like, like all the the thing that my, my anxious productivity the thing I was running away from feeling was my disappointment Mm. disappointment in gosh wanting the book to do or produce something different wanting myself to be different Mm. and coming to grips with wow that was actually there were so many things that were just really disappointing Mm. and so a, it was that took a lot of time mm-hmm. to and it, who wants to feel disappointment it was awful you know and like the what if what could why who mm-hmm. my fault their fault you know you just kind of it was very challenging mm-hmm. to wade through that it felt like going through a swamp oh. you know and so yes it took a long time mm-hmm. to let all the sediment come to the bottom of the jar mm-hmm. and to really face the things that I had been running away from. Wow. Wow. You know, what's so interesting is as a spiritual director and, you know, having completed your degree and being a spiritual director for others, uh, it reminds me, just hearing what you share now, is that the journey continues. And even after the books are written or the talks were yeah. given, you know, the journey <laughs> continues to to 
be um, intentional about moving toward the difficult and allowing, you know, allowing us to really sit in disappointment, um, sadness, frustration. I've shared this in other places and even on the podcast earlier that, you know, the disappointment of missing my son's wedding, you know, because of getting COVID and it just the, the reality of that and, and not just trying to move through it really fast and just get to the other side, but really allowing God to do a work in my heart in the midst of you know, joy and devastation simultaneously and holding intention, um, mixed emotions. I don't do that very well. I'm a kind of all good, all bad person. <laughs> and I, you know, I just, it's hard for me to bring things together. And my husband always is talking about like, no, they can coexist. And, you know, in the Psalms, you know, David has both praise and lament Sorry. in the same, yeah. you know, so I love how you say that. And, you know, what happened as you allowed that settling for you? Like, um, yeah, yeah how, what were the ways that God met you, and how did how did that look, and how did you experience um, the very thing you were talking about? Is like you know finding this how you described it—the rest in the love of God. Mm-hmm. Well, through much wrestling and turmoil. <laughs> Um, and really being able to see myself. I think it took me back really to a really young place of recognizing all the ways I have been so driven. Hmm. And it's all all the driving, all the pushing, all the hurry. It's all to get love. Huh. Really. Yeah. All of it is to get love, right? Wow, wow. yes. And the, the, the lie and the deception is um, when we listen and believe that all those things will give us love. Mm. And, and they never do. Actually, listening to those things actually increases our anxiety. Hmm. And it actually increases our hurry and our need to push. Yeah. And so I think that was just a real journey of really sitting with that passage um, with uh, in Luke. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I want to say 10, but now it's blinking on me. I think it's yeah, 11. Yeah, Mary Martha. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mary Martha. And it was like, I love what that passage is about, where it's like only one thing is required. Mm. And so really, ultimately, the whole, the whole gospel, it's actually you need to do less. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> less. One thing. Literally one thing is required of us, mm. and it's to receive the love of God. Mm-hmm. You look in John as well when you talk about the vine and the branches. It's like the only command is to abide. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a work. It's actually, it's like the, there, there's no actual work that the vine does to mm-hmm. connect the branch. Mm-hmm. It's not like, okay, connect, connect, connect. Right. It just is connected. Hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. that's really been a lot. And I mean, I'm telling you that my schedule is probably more crazy now than ever. Mm-hmm. And I have the least amount of anxiety and stress that I've ever had. Wow. That's and it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a formula or like mm-hmm. this. If you take this pill, it's like literally no, because when you're resting and the only thing that's required of you, mm. like, what else? What else is there? Wow. I don't know. So anyway, that's where I'm at, and that's been this incredible journey, and I'm just 
leaning into that more and more. Oh, that is so beautiful. Well, when I was um, looking, you know, at the book and flipping around and seeing all the different chapters, um, I noticed in the acknowledgments that you had a shout out to some days here. Oh, my goodness, it just brought tears to my eyes. I really I was just so Uh, moved by that. And um, thank you for the little shout. Yes. Well, thank you for building that community oh well i'm glad that you're part of the sisterhood always and always so so (laughs) thankful well talk about awake i mean the interesting thing is usually you know by the time the book releases in april (laughs) you know it's been a a year plus of having written the actual initial manuscript or even farther back um and i'm curious with you know now that you have the book in hand, it's been released to the world. What's the content that you just look at and go, you nod and think, you know, I see God's timing that this would happen now with what you penned way before we knew any of life was going to happen. Yeah. Well, I started writing awake during the pandemic. So uh, a lot of that a lot of it was wrestling. A lot of it was coming to terms with my life and the world that we were living in. And I think I I started writing this book out of a a very deep, unshakable anxiety. Hmm. And the anxiety is, uh, was, I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back as though I had wasted it. Like this weird underlying pressure to uh, to arrive or to do all the right things to be enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mm-hmm. always there, and this fear of fear of that. And yeah. so, I almost called it carpe diem syndrome. You know, it's like <laughs> the fear of not living life to the fullest. And right, the right. image that was always in my mind, Viv, is like the people who had figured out how to do life were like on the train. Hmm. And I was on the platform always chasing the train wow. and trying to get on. Okay, And it was unshakable. And so, mm. I started writing this book with that question of like, is it possible to not live with this unshakable anxiety. Hmm. And so, and to be awake and to live life to the fullest. Like, I want to savor it. But I almost was anxious about not savoring it enough. Hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. that sounds crazy. But that's, I I fell asleep feeling that way. I woke up feeling that Hmm. way. So it was like this needed to get out onto to type it out and to live it out. Were there any particular chapters that you really loved writing? Wow. Um, I did. I mean, I love writing, so every chapter was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I would say that there were harder chapters to write, but that I'm really grateful for. I wrestled a lot with... Oh, I believe it's chapter 11, maybe it's 12, where it's called This Is Not the End. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just that, the agonizing feeling of always struggling with something. Mm. So um, for me, it would be like, gosh, I just have this, the vice and the sin of jealousy. Mm. And it just, it's agonizing mm-hmm. to deal with something 
every single day. Hmm. And and everyone has something, of course, it's not jealousy, it's a vice or a sin bent. Yeah. But that whole chapter is what do we do with this thing that feels like it's always going to be a part of us? Hmm. And so it was kind of a raw and kind of um, just facing the struggle of always facing something. Yeah, yeah. Hey everyone, taking a quick break to kind of focus in on the topic of marriage. My husband and I have been married for 31 years and we have the privilege of speaking at marriage conferences across the country. And marriage is challenging and there are a lot of challenging topics to navigate. And 31 years ago, I would have really appreciated um, the kind of content that I'm about to share with you. Countdown to Marriage is an online course that's created by Legacy Family Ministries, and it's set to help couples have a meaningful and fulfilling marriage. It's uh, designed to help engage couples to connect and to lay a solid foundation before saying, I do. In this six-session course, Legacy Family Ministries walks couples through practical topics such as communication styles and conflict management and sexual intimacy, shared finances, and how to navigate relationships with in-laws. Those are the topics that really are often at the root of a lot of conflict in marriage. This course is led by Byron and Carla Weathersby who have spent nearly 30 years preparing thousands of couples for marriage, including Chip and Joanna Gaines. The Countdown to Marriage course provides engaging training videos, actionable resources from each lesson, and important discussion questions to get couples talking about what matters most. So if you're engaged to be married or know someone who is, visit LegacyCountdown.com slash online and enter the code IBMedia to save 25% off the cost of the course. Again, that's LegacyCountdown.com slash online and use IV, that's I-V-E-Y, media at checkout to receive this discount. Marriage is an important relationship and the investment into these topics before you say I do will yield such benefit. So check out this great opportunity. Compassion International is working to release children from poverty in Jesus' name through its one-on-one child sponsorships. When you sponsor a child through Compassion, your $38 a month will provide food, clean water, education, medical and dental checkups, and above all else, the ability to learn about Jesus and flourish through the local church. Letters from your child will help you keep updated on their life and development. Your sponsorship ensures this child will have hope, hope that poverty will end with him or her. But your Compassion sponsorship doesn't just provide for the needs of the child, Compassion cares for the whole family. Your sponsorship will change one child, one family, and one community. There are more than 100,000 children awaiting sponsorship, children who are desperate for hope. To partner with Compassion in bringing hope to a child today, simply text Ivy Media, that's I-V-E-Y Media, to 83393, or go to compassion.com slash The link will also be in the show notes. That's compassion.com slash 
takes a lot of courage to be authentic to name and then to like bring your heart into the world so that others can actually see. And one of the things I've most appreciated about you is how um, you seek to be authentic online, um, that your posts are the in the moment, not always curated beautifully. You're a photographer, like you have a photography background, you love beauty, God made you that way. And you also kind of bring in um, to focus real life. So you've got the pile of dishes in the sink, and that's what everyone lives with. And it's so easy for us to crop those kinds of parts out to curate what would seem to be a, a um, I don't know, such a privileged life, you know, and you're, you bring in the, the grit and the challenge. And I, I wondered, is that something that you have been intentional to do? Or is that just you deciding that this is how you wanted to shepherd people that um, decide to, to, you know, be in this community with you online? Yeah, well, there is no love without vulnerability. Hmm. Right? Oh, that's good. There's no love without vulnerability, right? You look at Jesus on the cross. Is there anything more vulnerable than naked, being naked and bleeding mm. and dying, exposed for everyone to see and be ridiculed? You know, like there is no love without vulnerability. And so it's the way, it is the way mm. to connect with the Lord. It's the way to connect with others. It's the way to connect with myself. Yeah. And so for me, vulnerability online, uh, I try to live a vulnerable life everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I've come so far in that if, if I'm not vulnerable, like I'm cutting myself off from the very life source hmm. of love. So mm. yeah, some of part of that is like, I would love to bring women into that. And here's the crazy thing about vulnerability, which is so beautiful is the more you do it, um, honestly, the the more courageous you get, hmm. right? It's like mm-hmm. when you uh, you have a headache and it's like, oh, if I take Tylenol, that helps, mm-hmm. right? It makes it, it, it doesn't always cure it in that moment, whatever, right? right? Maybe this is not the perfect metaphor, but <laughs> when you taste something that is like water for your soul, mm-hmm. you're going to keep going back to that water. Sure, sure. And so vulnerability is like that. Once you taste it and are loved in it, mm-hmm. why would you go anywhere else? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it's hard. There's times, I mean, I just did this post the other day of talking about disappointment. Like the hardest thing in motherhood for me is knowing that I've disappointed my kids. Mm. And there was, I shared this story, which is like, man, it kind of reveals like how bad of a mom I could be. But you know, when my son was, oh, I think seven or eight, We I took him to the doctor mm-hmm. and they're like, well, you really need to get his eye. You need to take him to a specialist for his eyes. And I just didn't do it for weeks and months. A teacher even emailed me like, hey, he's always sitting in the front row squinting. Maybe he needs to go to an eye doctor. Kind of like, okay, I'll get there. Yeah. You know, and then I started doing, his football coach was like, gosh, he's always kind of like, I think something's going on. And finally, I one day I was watching him and he was sitting like literally like two feet from the TV. And I was like, oh, like this is a problem. Oh. I mean, it was months later, Viv. I went, took him to the doctor and he was legally blind. <gasps> no. 
Like that was his story. He, you know, he had that experience of you put on the glasses and he's like, oh, are those leaves? You know, and I was like, oh my gosh, I knew for probably six months, you know? So it's like, yeah, that exposes some super ugly parts of <laughs> oh me, goodness, you know? Yes. But it's also like, after I posted that, so many moms were like, oh, me too. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's yep. like, oh my gosh. Yep. Like, I think we start to think we're alone, obviously. Seriously. And then you share something and people are like, you know, such similar, not exactly the same, but similar stories. And so yeah. we have to fight and we have to walk in the way of vulnerability. Mm, that is so beautiful. And I have a Me Too story like that also with my son and Vision. And <laughs> we had an optometrist in our small group at the time. And literally it was like, he looked at the numbers and he said, oh, he needs to come in. <laughs> it's just like, like, you know, I just was, and I asked him, I asked my son later, like, well, what did you do? And he goes, oh, I would just walk to the front of the class room to take down the assignments and I'm just like oh buddy I'm oh my so god sorry I oh just god, uh, mother of the year but you what? know we're like me tooing we're me tooing all yes. over the place so yeah. now, now so yeah. my question then would be there's definitely something to be said about so my understanding is there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability where transparency yeah. is where we share lessons we've learned and you know, kind of hard things and what we've learned from them. But vulnerability is raw and in real time without the lessons learned. Like, that's how I've understood the difference between those two words. And I'm curious how you um, discern um, what it is that you want to share that is um, a little, I mean, processed a little bit so that you are not processing in real time. Because sometimes when we overshare too early, it may not be beneficial to us or people who are in, you know, who are reading what we're writing. Um, And at the same time, there's something so beautiful about there's no love without vulnerability. So do you have in your mind kind of a a sense of um, how you decide what to share and when you decide what to share? Do I have like a guideline yeah. that I live by? Yeah, My answer like is no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's probably a good idea. Thank you, Viv. <laughs> uh, no, I think it takes a tremendous amount of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And there's no, um, every circumstance is different. Mm-hmm. And I'd say for women who are in a season of real vulnerability, like some, like the rug's been pulled out from under them. Yeah. Right. There, there's wisdom in kind of thinking about those stepping stones mm. that take you to dry land again. Mm. And some of those are, it's going to, like, you you can't help but be vulnerable because yeah. you're leaking everywhere. Your sure. insides are just coming out your nose, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so that's going to happen. You're going to be messy and you're going to f- be spinning and trying to figure out which way is north, mm-hmm. you know? And so... Mm-hmm. Is there a guideline for someone like that? Like, just be patient and be mm. wise mm-hmm. in who you talk to, that you're yeah. talking to trusted people. Yeah. Now, um, if you're in a season, like, we can, uh, when I think about maybe the opposite of vulnerability, we think is, like, finding security and finding safety, mm. right? And so my question would be more of like, what are you grabbing onto for safety? Mm. Are you grabbing onto 
uh, what this person thinks about you, approval or the fear of disappointment, you know, or having to be the best. Mm. And I would say like, all of that is vulnerability, mm. but if there's wisdom in holding on to what is secure. And mm. so no matter what you're going through of like, is your posture turned towards the love of Jesus mm. or is your posture turned towards your neighbor, your boss, your friend, your coworker, the other moms in your co-op for safety and security. Mm. And if your posture is turned towards the love of Jesus, you you will he will lead you in the way of mm. how to share and when to share. That's so good. That is so good. Uh, for my listeners that are unfamiliar with spiritual formation and spiritual direction, can you give us um, just a simple definition of what that means and how a spiritual director is different than a therapist or counselor? Yeah, there's a there's a lot to say, but I will say the simple practice of spiritual direction is a long practice rooted in the early church, and it's really a spiritual director. Uh, it's it's not new agey. It's not mm -hmm. a mentorship. It's not discipleship. It's not therapy. Really, ultimately, a spiritual director comes beside you in love and prayer and discernment to help you identify the love of God in your life and His invitation for you. Mm. So where's God? what is God doing? Mm -hmm. How is He doing it? How is He inviting you into deeper love and abiding? Mm. A spiritual director will help you do that. Yeah, yeah. I've had a spiritual director for a couple of years now, and it has been an, a lifeline. It really has. Yeah. And, um, she also graduated from Talbot, and so there's just, I have such <laughs> high regard for everyone I've met who's graduated from that program. There's really, it's a robust program, but also extremely practical. And yeah, um, yeah so I love that you do that. Do you, are you actively, do you have, um, are you spiritually directing currently? Yeah, I am. I do it all through Zoom. Okay. But I that's part of my daily schedule is meeting with women. Mm. And I think it's it is a it has so much history of spiritual direction and through the years um, and centuries it's kind of gotten lost, but it's coming out again. Mm -hmm. And the value of being able to sit with somebody who can love you and help you see the movement of God in your life is so powerful yeah. in many ways through all my, I mean, you've probably done therapy and spiritual mm -hmm. direction. So yep, yep. there's such a, there. it's different. And for me, spiritual direction has been almost more powerful than therapy in mm. being able to move forward in the places where I was extremely stuck. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's helpful to have, uh, to be able to differentiate because there are times seasons where it's helpful to have a trained professional therapist who can through their experience and knowledge and um, expertise navigate some of these places that are uh, are emotionally uh, like traumatic or um, extremely challenging regarding um, depression anxiety uh, family dynamics, things like that. And then to see the difference, like you're describing, with just the element of really someone who comes alongside and doesn't um, tell people what to believe, but kind of helps, for me at least, to help me to see where God has already been showing up 
and yeah you know i just put a flashlight on yeah exactly exactly and so that really is um so valuable so for those of you who you know listeners who may not have um really looked into spiritual direction and really want to encourage you toward that just as part of your own personal growth and development um, yeah, as we so good. walk with God. It's so true. Well, I remember when we first connected, um, you know, t- you were sharing with me about just your Asian American journey. Um, I think, you know, just what you've uh, kind of walked through growing up. And I'm curious, like, since that first point to now, what are some ways that God is working um, as you continue to to embrace your Asian American heritage and all of that? Yeah, I remember that conversation. That was so good for me. It was the start of a really, really good journey. Uh, I think briefly, in, in brief, I shared just a lot of uh, the stories that I was hearing and reading about online and even in person mm-hmm. um, as other Asian Americans were sharing, I just couldn't relate to. Mm-hmm. I could, I, I was like, wow, maybe I should feel that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not um, embracing my heritage or my traditions. Maybe, you know, it really sent me into a lot of anxiety actually of like, what, who, not who am I as much as like, I don't want to. I I don't want to be blind. Mm. I want to see myself, and I want to um, have my story uh, be my story. Mm-hmm. You know. And so, gosh, what a journey it's been. I would say I'm in a place of real acceptance for my journey, and this is where I would say that even though my experience isn't like other people's Mm -hmm. especially other asian americans it doesn't diminish my experience or doesn't make mine less valuable Mm. or less true Mm -hmm. and so i think there was this anxiety to of always wondering if something was wrong with me because Mm. i didn't have the same narrative as other people right right and so it's gosh such freedom of being like you know what? My narrative is a little different, mm-hmm. but it's also mine, and it's also so valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I've I've been really, really still walking in it, mm-hmm. but also uh, finding deep joy of um, the way God's used my faith and my Asian American story to really bring about a wholeness inside of me that's like so peaceful Mm, that's so beautiful well i've loved that because i think there again when we were talking you know a few years ago it was like um just being able to talk about how our stories there are going to be places that we all connect and relate to but then again there's going to be so many unique um, renditions and that even is part of i think um recognizing that we use terms, but they don't, there's, we're not a monolith. So um, when someone says they're Asian American, that means a whole bunch of different things. And, yes. you know, the mixed race experience with East Asian, Southeast Asian, South Asian, um, what, uh, you know, ha- multi-ethnic identity, uh, just, you know, 
uh, immigration, like when parents immigrated to the United States and what that meant and, you know, language and customs and food. And it's just there's not just one definition or one box that we all fit in and being able to just, you know, celebrate what that what that means and how that looks. And I remember yeah. when I received your book, you had a whole um, beautiful um, collection of recipes. And, you know, it included some really fun recipes from your family and from your heritage, too, you know. Yeah. So. Yes, I think it's so valuable to be like, uh, there's not just one right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's not just one experience. Yeah, yeah. And I just love that you give people that permission. Give people permission. Yeah, and there's a lot to celebrate. Did you know that the first Asian American athlete to win an Olympic gold medal was a Filipina American woman? Her name is Vicky Manalo Draves. In fact, Vicky won two gold medals in the 1948 London Olympics. She won her first gold medal in springboard diving two days before her teammate, Sammy Lee, won his medal in platform diving. Sammy is the first Asian American man to win Olympic gold medal for the U.S. To his credit, Sammy, who is often mentioned by the media as the first Asian American Olympic gold medalist, introduced Vicky to her diving coach and future husband, Lyle Straves. Sammy served as best man at Vicky and Lyle's wedding. Vicky grew up in San Francisco. Her father was Filipino and her mother was English. Sammy grew up in Los Angeles, the son of Korean immigrants. Both Vicky and Sammy had groundbreaking performances in individual competition. But what's overlooked is their relationship as good friends and teammates against a backdrop of discrimination and bias. And that's this week's Did You Know? Are there any things that you've tried to do with your kids? to celebrate the Asian side of who they are or? um... Oh my gosh. Well, we have it. It's not, it's coming. I'll say that. Okay. So this is the funnest tradition that I want to bring to my kids. Actually, we didn't do it in our home growing up. So I'm Thai. There's a Thai holiday Mm -hmm. called something with a really cool name. Yes. And it's in April. Okay. And what it is, it's a water fight. So, have you heard of this? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. So, in Thailand, there uh, the core of uh, such a deep value of ties mm-hmm. is having fun. Mm-hmm. Do you know the brand, the Sanook brand? No, the t- sandal brand. Oh, so yes. you gotta like the sandal brand. Yeah, that's Thai. Is it Thai? It's Thai. Yeah, it means I did not fun. Know that. So Thailand, they just love to have fun. Yes. So on in April, they have one day. I want to say Songkran. That could be it. Ooh. If my dad's listening, he will correct me. Yes, yes. Uh, but <laughs> they have basically a water fight. So uh, like this everywhere. Spring, I'm a, yes. Kids, adults will be in oh the back of pickup trucks goodness. with water balloons and water guns. <laughs> and oh my goodness, it's just one huge water fight. That's Isn't incredible. that fun? That's so, so fun. I'm gonna invite. I'm gonna invite all my kids' friends over, my friends over. We're gonna have a big water fight, That's and then so I'll make them some Thai food. Yes. Oh my goodness, that sounds amazing. How did you I learn know. about this water fight? I mean, I've known about it forever. It's okay. like a really fun thing. But I was reading, you know, Tasha's book, which mm-hmm. comes out soon yes yes and she talked about a tradition that she did with her family which Mm -hmm. made me think of like what could i do and i thought 
Yeah. I'm going to do Sankaran yes, in April. That's have a big so water fantastic. fight. Yeah. There, I think that there's something for us, you know, those of us born in the United States, you know, a little bit farther from the motherland uh, yeah. based on, you know, generations and whatnot. But there's a reclaiming of our heritage. And, you know, I, I think that there's pieces that my kids unfortunately didn't inherit from me directly because of my lack of knowledge and trying to, you know, trying to help bring back some of the celebration so that they can appreciate it as well. Um, my son, my oldest son during pandemic has uh, worked really hard at learning native Hawaiian because my husband is native Hawaiian, Okinawan and Portuguese. And he's wow. conversational now, which is incredible. Um, and he's also ha he also has a Chinese tutor. So he's asking me all these. So I grew up speaking Chinese, but my Chinese is probably like at a kindergarten, first grade level. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, I cannot. Yeah, so I can. I don't have an accent asking the questions, but I. I don't. I can't understand a news, like a, a newscast. You know, the words are too big. So he's asking me. Um, you know vocabulary words and things like that. And I have these words that float around, but to try to grab them. And it's just fun to see him pick up the language and learning his posture of learning. And so I think for listeners who are in the same space as we are with just trying to like reclaim some of these holidays or traditions, um, you know, it's never too late. I think when never we, yeah, when we come across. Never too late. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's incredible. So, so much fun. Well, how can people find you? And, sure. you know, tell us a little bit. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on these days. So uh, you can find me online, uh, obviously, um, Instagram, lovealways.angeli, or on my website, angelipascal.com. I'm guessing you'll have show notes yep, somewhere. We'll with have all the that. show notes, yep. Uh, I'm working on another book, and hopefully I'll have that in your hands in February 2024. Wow, it's wonderful. I can't wait. Okay, really quickly, tell us the story of the chicken on your cover oh gosh. of Awake. The rooster. That, that is rooster. Terrifying. It's a rooster. <laughs> so, you know, as we were kind of brainstorming cover ideas, it was like, what says Awake? Mm -hmm. And so we were like, oh, flowers or a cup of coffee. Yeah. And it was like, no, a rooster. Yes. A rooster. And I think that's the way the Lord wakes us up sometimes, mm. right? Sometimes it's as subtle as the breeze, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's as, as abrupt as a rooster crow. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you even look at, you know, Peter mm -hmm. and it's the, the crow of the rooster three times. Wow. It woke him up wow. to Ooh, that's really good. like his own, his the own, his own heart. Mm -hmm. And so we need that sometimes. Yeah. We need this splash of water on the face of like, wake up to reality. Mm -hmm. And rea we chase, we chase stuff thinking if we chase this or that, will find reality. Right. But reality is much less about something out there mm -hmm. and something inside of us right where we are. That's so That's, good. And so, you know, entering more deeply into the love of God. Mm -hmm. That's really the one thing that's really required of us. That is so beautiful. Well, this cover is all time, and I love your joy holding the rooster. Oh. I keep calling it a chicken, but there's definitely a difference between a chicken and a rooster. I it's the scariest animal, though. Gosh, his like 
claws are just terrifying. So yeah, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. But you pushed through the fear and you yes. ended with the perfect book cover that just oh my goodness, oh, I thanks, love it Steph. so much you're so wonderful and I'm just grateful I can't wait to sit down over a real meal with you in real time in person uh, but thank you so much for being on the some days here oh, podcast again that's so fun all right well we'll talk soon some days here is a production of Ivy Media Podcast it's produced and edited by Angie Elkins and assistant editor is Ashley Miner. Show notes and graphics are by Nikki Ogden, and the original music is by Joseph Patrick with Passion Net Productions. I'm your host, Vivian Mabuni. To learn more about the Sundays Here community, check us out on the socials at Sundays Here Podcast or at Viv Mabuni on Instagram. <laughs>